Greetings and welcome to the Trauma and Social Work Podcast. Thank you for listening to Season 2. You are listening to Tanya Octave, Licensed Clinical Social Worker. My goal is to provide education, resources, suggested practices, and understand more about the aspects of trauma and social work. This podcast is for you because we are all impacted by trauma. I am your host. Go grab your notepad, pen, or pencil, a warm cup of tea, and let's get down to business. This season is to focus on the voices of others impacted by trauma. Although I may speak on behalf of others with their permission, this is still their voice. You will hear from social workers, parents, families, children, teenagers, clinicians, and just so much more. You will hear from all people, regardless of their heritage, ethnic background, gender or sexuality, identification, social economic status, and much more. Let's take a deep, profound listening to all voices. podcast is not intended for medical, psychological, mental health, or legal advice. You should seek out a professional for individual and specific questions regarding your overall wellness. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room. Today we have Julie, who has worked for the Child Welfare Department for three decades. She is a dedicated social worker. She is a social worker beyond just her job title because it has always been more about helping others than getting paid or getting promoted. She truly does what she does because she has compassion and she wants to make a change. And she has made the change in the lives of others. During her time in child welfare, she worked in emergency response and continuing services. Julie is not only an expert in the field of child abuse investigation, but she knows how to get children back in their homes, back to their families, back to their community and their culture. She is successful in the reunification process. Julie has many strengths. She communicates well with everyone. She can easily enter a home in a crisis while providing support, compassion, and patience. Julia has advanced to being a coach developer and teaches culturally sensitive assessments, evaluates and trains social workers on hearing the voices of families, of children, of the individual underlying needs. There are ways to truly, authentically listen to strengths, the family struggles, and their natural supports. These are qualities that are hard to teach social workers, but come easy for her. As an African-American, and I thought it would be significant to hear her voice about her personal and professional experiences with trauma, When we think about child welfare and social workers, we often have an image that they are overworked, underpaid, and not prepared. Although this is not the case, there is more to their voice, their message. This too is a sort of trauma. 
whether it's secondary, vicarious, or even acute, that impacts social workers. So Julie, with that being said, welcome and welcome. I first want to thank you for your time and your commitment to doing this podcast with me. I hope that this message reaches those who need to hear it. I hope that your voice continues to grow and that you share your experience in hopes for a real change. When you think about trauma, can you share a little bit about your experience of what trauma is? Uh, Good morning, Tanya, and thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure. Um, When I think about trauma and I think about my earliest uh, experiences in my career as a social worker with the department, I think about being a young worker, fairly new out of college, with a limited amount of work experience, but I did have experience as a case manager prior and with at-risk youth in the facility that children were placed for their foster care placement. And I think back to uh, some of the trauma that I experienced under the emergency response uh, section of the department. And a lot of it had to do, as you mentioned about secondary vicarious trauma Mm -hmm. um, while detaining children, especially. I think that seeing how it affected the children to be removed from parents that maybe oftentimes we didn't have a choice, but it was, I think the hardest trauma was the borderline cases where there were high risk and maybe some safety, safety factors there, but that if we had more resources that we could have uh, allowed the children to remain with a safety plan and seeing them torn away from their parents and in that way and, and, and showing so much, uh, you know, they were very upset. And at times I got upset mm-hmm. because I felt that we didn't have enough, um, we didn't have enough resources to allow them to remain in the home. So, so one that, of the things I kind of hear you saying, Julie, mm-hmm. is although you were new and you had this education and maybe some experience, you were still coming into a situation mm-hmm. um, where maybe because of lack of resources or lack of funding in a particular decisions were made and that impacted the family and also impacted right. you. Yes. Okay. yes, absolutely. I think it impacted me because, uh, it, well, just, just the fact that you're, you're, you're tearing a family apart in order to keep them safe. But I think what made it, what made it better was to know that it was a temporary decision. It's just temporary. We're taking the children into temporary custody and, the, and that it needs to go to court. And from there, the decision is left up to the judge. Mm. One of the ways that you kind of learn to work through it and trying to do the best job that you could, um, giving each circumstance and maybe the individual experiences of each family um, although you were separating families, there was this hope and this idea that the parents would do what they needed to do or resources could be available and then they could eventually reunite. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the goal. That was always the goal. And I think that because that is the goal of the, of the department currently, it, it, did, it did lessen the, the traumatic effect um, for the children. And, and also what also- Maybe for you too. 
Yeah, for me too. It, and, mm-hmm. and just going that extra mile to locate an appropriate relative was always uh, number one, even if it took me hours to do it, to, to, to get their background clearance cleared and to check out their home and um, just putting the children safely with a with an appropriate relative was was always satisfying. And I heard it's like going that extra mile. And that's what you do as a social worker. You do. You go that extra mile to try to make for sure be something urgent that you have to do within a family. But taking those extra steps, working those longer hours, being more committed in a way. Um, to making for sure that they're at least um, maybe connected to family or connected to someone in the community. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us about trauma that you've experienced as a social worker, maybe the earlier days with uh, where the sexual abuse or physical abuse? Um, my, I, I think for me, the, the experience of receiving um an emergency response you have what's called duty days and you have days where the immediate response um referrals that come in that have to be responded to within two hours Mm -hmm. those are the cases that are are more um severe like severe neglect sexual abuse physical abuse and with those cases they require immediate attention and um sometimes you could be on duty maybe once to twice a week. Uh, and I think there was a time where it just seemed like for the first couple of weeks, I just had back-to-back sexual abuse cases. And when mm. you're interviewing uh, the children who are suffering, you know, who are victims of, of sexual abuse or physical abuse, they have to describe their trauma to you. And, you know, hearing 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 the trauma from the children and knowing what they must have gone through over and over and over it can it can be it can wear on you it can be very taxing because you're processing it and you're taking in the information but you're also you know you have empathy for them you 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 have to also balance having um a a balance of compassion and empathy but then you also got to understand that we have to um also interview and investigate the referral in terms of the 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 perpetrators well alleged perpetrators not often not often um let's say the law enforcement will do the perpetrators but sometimes you don't really know who that perpetrator truly is and those, those are pretty traumatic because sometimes you could be talking face-to-face to a parent who is the perpetrator, you know, unbiased when you're doing it. And so it's, it, you know, your biases come in because you're thinking in your mind, you did it. You, you did that, even though the, and the parents <laughs> could be lying to you. And so with that and with, with, with knowing that in the back of your mind, you have to remain neutral. So that can be that can be taxing too. It can be taxing, yes. To and it makes, it makes me think of secondary and vicarious trauma. You mm-hmm. said earlier in your career, there are back-to-back cases, maybe of sexual abuse or physical abuse, mm-hmm. hearing stories mm-hmm. over and over. And this builds up too, not only right. for you know trauma, trauma is also remembered in memories, but it's also stored in the body. 
And so yes. also being imprinted on you as well as a social worker. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And a lot of times social workers, you know, they've experienced certain um, trauma in their own lives that mm. mirror just what you're, True. you know, dealing with. And we have, we have social workers that are, that, that were in foster care. And um, I've actually supervised a couple uh, of workers that were in foster care. So sometimes I can see as a supervisor in my, in my case conference in which I do like try to do supervision with them and help them work through that because they actually experience PTSD. Um, it triggers their past. So they're being triggered. And you mm-hmm. are trying as a supervisor or a manager to also kind of support them Absolutely. through that, but hopefully recommending them also for their own individual treatment. So none of that kind oh. of filters mm-hmm. out. Um, mm-hmm. When, you know, the, the stuff that we talked about is so much related to trauma. And as a social worker, how do you think this has impacted your life, whether it's been good or bad? Um, I, I would have to say it, it, it impacted me, I could say in a good way, and, and I can also say in a bad way. Um, early on, as I was trying to uh, learn the balance, uh, the balance of turning, learning, how, I guess, the balance of how to turn it off. Mm-hmm. And turn it off to go to sleep, uh, turn it off to even wake up because you're exhausted. Um, the you're exhausted with have I done enough? Did I follow all the policy? Did I did I miss anything? Did I leave a child in a home that I shouldn't have left? You know that I that I describe everything to my supervisor that I needed to to make that right decision, and and trying to walk away to make sure that I didn't leave a child in danger is taxing. Um, I think sometimes being exhausted from the long hours and the back-to-back type of cases like that causes you to not have the energy you need to take care of things in your own life, paying your bills, eating right, um, medical issues. I know medical issues issues as a Mm -hmm. social worker as well. I did. I had medical issues that I wasn't able to tend to properly that ended up being exasperated and, and causing me to be out longer mm-hmm. and, you know, not taking care of a simple cold or flu or uh, even even further. I needed to see a, a, an LBTYN and I ended up developing um, fibroids that left were intended and they grew larger, which resulted in surgery. Um, and if I had probably caught it sooner, something, so, something, you know, a lot simpler than surgery could have possibly been done. But um, and, I, and I think what mm-hmm. you shared, thank you for sharing that, because mm-hmm. I think as social workers, we often don't make the connection that mm-hmm. we have trauma and our body break down and fall apart. Mm-hmm. And the more neglectful that we are, mm-hmm. we are having have you know talked to many workers who have thyroid issues who have uh, male or female related issues mm-hmm. hormone issues absolutely and how that can be related to the stress from the job being built up over right. time i know in our prior conversation you talked a little bit about being spiritually grounded and that maybe being a social worker has even a more um a positive relationship spiritually yeah, that that 
that definitely um, played a part in the in the good because um, I, I think you know I kind of fell into social work. Uh, I initially was uh, going to be a, a sheriff for the sheriff department, and I passed all the tests, and I decided not to go that route. My my actual major is sociology, but the option was criminology, mm. and how how i how i came into social work was working in the residential treatment um programs and facilities i noticed and i met a few social workers who were doing you know that would come and see the children and i saw how the children lit up when social workers came um to see them and i saw that the power that they had and the effect that they had to make decisions um on their placements and on them returning home and then i saw just just the the I guess um, when when I when I when I became when I when I became a social worker I knew that I knew that it was out it was bigger than me I should say I knew this job was bigger than me and it became a career but I also knew that I needed um, like a higher power I knew that I needed for me it was the Lord you know to to pray at night and to call upon and he and I just learned as I was doing it year after year, that this was my calling because each step of the way, I each step of the way, I always had what it took and I always had what I needed because it wasn't up for me to have the answers. It was just up for me to be a vessel that 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 could be used to to be a change and to be an agent to move forward and ensure that these children were safe. And I recognized that to be a calling. And that's how I think I was able to last. I'm able to last as long as I am. Well, a, I, I knew that was a purpose. Well, I am glad being a social worker because we <laughs> definitely we definitely need more social workers with the type of compassion and dedication mm-hmm. that you provide Thank to you. the families and whether or not that's removing kids because maybe parents need a timeout or doing making your best efforts to keep mm-hmm. them together. But mm-hmm. I wanted to thank you again for participating in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank um, you. Thank you. Well, it was really nice to have an opportunity to talk with Julie. I admire her dedication and authenticity when it comes to being the social worker. I took away three main ideas from this conversation. One, we need more resources for families. We need to do a better job educating, training, and preparing our new social workers for their job. For many social workers, they have a degree, they go to school, and they learn many things about social work but not about doing their job. Social workers are young, enthusiastic, and unprepared. I too was in this situation early in my career. Julie talked about the importance of not knowing what to do in a situation, and if there were more resources, some decisions could be different for families. Julie talked about trauma and hearing voices of physical and sexual abuse all the time. This was the second idea that stuck with me. Can you imagine how difficult it is to hear painful stories and events from children over and over again? Children who are crying, children who are scared, children who feel unloved. There may be a sense of hopelessness that develops in you as a social worker. You have to be tough. 
tough enough to get through it, to be that support, that emotional support to that child or children. Then you go home and there is no one there for you to process this with. I like how Julia as a coach would provide this space for social workers, a space to maybe talk about some of this trauma where you really can't share with your families. The things, the third thing that I took away was self-care. And in Julie's case, how this was connected to her spiritually and staying grounded in a deep and profound way. This is central to her survival and thriving as a social worker, currently as a coach right now. You know, as an African-American woman, Julia is trying to do the best she can every day in most moments. So thank you once again for your voice, Julie. Keep doing your work and helping families. this podcast please share it with others like below and subscribe to my channel I will end by saying the keys to happiness are following the path towards knowing oneself ancient comedic proverbs